would you pray with me? May these words bring you glory and bless your holy name. We pray that we will hear the good news of this message with open hearts and live lives that glorify you more and more each day. Amen. Many of you know that for the past six summers, I have worked at a summer camp called Camp Oculana. Oculana is a ministry of the River City Faith Network. The whole purpose of the camp is to provide a low-cost summer camp experience to children from the greater Richmond area who would not otherwise be able to afford it. One of my favorite parts of being an Oculana counselor is being able to introduce children who have often never been to church or never met God to a God who is kind and loving and caring. I have made it my personal mission to teach kids that Jesus loves them no matter who they are and that Jesus wants them to love the people around them no matter who they are. One of the culminating events of our week at Oculana is a series of closing ceremonies. These ceremonies serve as a means for reflection and to give the campers something to look back on when they think of their week at Oculana. We start the night before the kids go home with the promise ceremony, where campers and counselors alike make promises to each other and to God about how they want to live their lives going forward. We then have a swim ceremony where we give awards to our kids who have passed various swim tests. There's the basic swift swimmer test, the distance test, and even the very hard to achieve and highly coveted mile swim award. We hand out camp patches, a memento everyone gets to take home to commemorate their week at Oculana. And additionally, our older kids have the opportunity to earn gems on their patch that provide an honest reflection of their behavior that week, giving them the chance to grow in the future. Then the kids get a good night's sleep, we hope, and the next morning we wake them up, pack up the whole cabin, and go share one final meal together. During that meal, we watch a slideshow of our week, and then when breakfast is finished, we go to our final ceremony, which also happens to be my personal favorite the warm fuzzy ceremony. It's intentional that this is our last ceremony as we think it's the one that is most important to remember. It isn't based on their behavior or what they've accomplished that week or anything like that. It's based on love. The campers sit in a large circle in the big lodge, which is our recreation area. It's a big wooden building with screens for windows. And at the head of the circle is Beth, our director. She shares a story with our campers, and I'd like to share it with you now. If you'd like, you can imagine that you're at Oculana, out there in the mountains, surrounded by trees, the sound of the creek flowing gently nearby. That is where this story takes place. She begins. When families gather together, they often share stories that they want to remember. They can be funny stories or stories of hard times or sadnesses that they've been through together, stories that teach them about themselves. This story that I'm about to share is a legend. A legend is a story that is not 100% factually true, but we tell it because it has truth in it, and it tells us something about ourselves that we think it's important to remember. A long time ago, in this holler, between these two mountains, where Camp Oculana sits now, there was a town. But it wasn't just any town. It was special. 
the people who lived in that town were known for being unusually happy. Everyone was friendly and kind and just genuinely happy in a way that you don't often see. And another unusual thing about this place was that there were creatures called warm fuzzies, and they grew on all of the trees around here. People would pick a warm fuzzy, and they would brush it against their face and feel that warm, fuzzy feeling, and then they would share it with someone else, and when they did, they would say something kind about them. This tradition made everyone happy and was a reminder to treat each other with kindness. Well, there was one person in the town who didn't share in that kindness. She lived right nearby on the top of Harper Hill. Have you ever known someone who was so unhappy that they had to make sure that everyone else around them was unhappy too? Well, that's the way this woman was. Some people would call her the witch of Harper Hill, but we know now that she was just a very unhappy person. And she didn't like the joy that everyone else was experiencing. So she started a rumor that all of the warm fuzzies were going to die and that they wouldn't grow on the trees anymore. People panicked. They couldn't imagine a world without the warm fuzzies. So they went and they picked them all, but they didn't share them. They hoarded them and they hid them away in boxes and bags and trunks, and they stuck them in their attics in their basements. And because they no longer shared the warm fuzzies, and because they no longer went out of the way to be kind, they did stop growing on the trees. So years passed by, and it was still a nice place to live, but it wasn't the same happy and kind place that it once was. One day, these two kids came to town to visit their grandmother. I don't know about you, but when I visit with my grandparents, I like to look through their old things, old photographs and old clothes and old trinkets from when they were young. Well, that's what these kids were doing. And they were in her attic going through her things and they found an old box and they opened it and it was full of warm fuzzies. And they had no idea what they were because they'd never seen them before. And so they asked their grandmother, and she smiled real wide because she hadn't seen a warm fuzzy in years. She told them all about how wonderful this place used to be and the tradition of sharing the warm fuzzies. The kids asked if they could go out and share them with the people in the town. So they went out and began sharing warm fuzzies and kind words. And other people saw them and followed suit, pulling out their old warm fuzzies and sharing them as well. And the old woman who lived on Harper Hill, the one who started that rumor all those years ago, well, she had actually come into town that day. And the kids, not knowing any better, or maybe knowing better than any of us, walked right up to her and offered her a warm fuzzy too. And her face lit up, and she graciously accepted. You see, no one had ever offered her a warm fuzzy before. It turns out she just needed a little kindness, too. Beth ends the story by letting the campers know they'll each receive their own warm fuzzy to take home. If they are ever feeling sad or alone, they can brush it up against their face and feel that warm, fuzzy feeling and know two important things. We love you, and God loves you. These are the two things they hear 
when they receive their warm fuzzies, and they are the two things we want them to remember from their time at Oppenheimer, that they are always loved by us and by God. The story has great meaning, and it's a very sneaky way of teaching campers something they may not pay attention to if we just set it out there. But we'll circle back to that in just a moment. The scripture I want to share with you this morning is one I'm sure most of you are familiar with. It comes from the Gospel of John when Jesus gathered his disciples and shared a meal, one which would come to be known as the Last Supper. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, it is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus commands us to love one another. It seems quite simple, but at the time this command was given, Jesus' life was actually very complicated. This command came during the Last Supper. It was preceded by Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, a task that was usually reserved for the lowest of servants and showed grace and humility on the part of our Savior. He then went on to predict his own betrayal at the hands of one of his disciples. Jesus and the disciples broke bread, and Jesus gave his new commandment. What would go on to follow the evening was a series of very dark occurrences for Jesus. He was arrested, denied by Peter three times, stood before Pilate, and was sentenced to be crucified. Even as all this was happening, even throughout the fear Jesus must have felt and the chaos in his life, Jesus still had his mind on how he wanted us to treat one another. Even when his own death, a very painful one at that, was imminent, our Savior was still thinking about us. So we're called back to that warm, fuzzy story. At first glance, the people in that town were good and faithful and kind and loving, but only within their comfort level. Anything that didn't feel good, like extending a hand to the old woman on the hill, they avoided. It's clear to me what this story is trying to convey. How beautiful could this world be if we all actually loved one another, just as Jesus commanded us to? We have a habit as people of placing conditions upon God's unconditional love. We live a life of ifs. God will love you if you go to church every Sunday. Jesus will be proud if you are selfless. I'm a Christian, so I'll be your friend if you live your life exactly the way I think you should. But in reality, our God is a God of and. God loves you and God wants you to go to church. But God still loves you even when you don't. Jesus loves you and Jesus wants you to be selfless. But Jesus still loves you even when you're selfish. We are Christians and we hope the people we know will choose to live their lives the way we think they should. But we are called to love them and treat them with kindness even when they don't. We tell the story at Aquilana because we believe that kindness and love is the number one thing. If you cannot be anything else, but you can be kind and loving, we can work with that. A world without love and kindness can feel cold and dark, even if it seems warm and beautiful at first glance. So why do we often think that that commandment does not apply to us? 
If this were the only time in the Bible that we were called to look, it might be easy to ignore. We could say there's lots of things mentioned in the Bible once that we don't remember every day. But this passage in John is not the only time we are called to love. It's actually a recurring theme. 1 John 2.9 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John 15.17, This is my command. Love each other. Galatians 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. 1 John 4.11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And my personal favorite, 1 John 4.8, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. We are called to love. None of these passages say, love when you feel like it. They say, love your neighbor always. Of course, that brings us to that age-old question of who is our neighbor, and we are reminded of the parable of the Good Samaritan. A teacher of the law asked Jesus this very question. He said, who is my neighbor? Jesus goes on to share the story we are so familiar with, of the man who was attacked in the road and left for dead, and of the man who showed mercy. I find the parable of the Good Samaritan to be particularly interesting because before introducing the Samaritan, a man who should not have wanted to help, Jesus first tells of the priest and the Levite. I want to focus on the priest and the Levite for a moment. They were two men who, by all accounts, should have stopped to help the injured man. They were men of the church, men who believed in God. If Pastor Bob passed a man bleeding in the street, we would all expect him to stop and help, right? But they didn't. In fact, they even went so far as to cross the street to the other side so they didn't have to get too close. At some point in our lives, we have all been the priest and the Levite. We have all crossed the street to avoid something unpleasant. We have all ignored someone who needed help. We have chosen safety and comfort over love and kindness. And then, when we finally do behave like the Samaritan, we pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm living like Jesus. But we aren't. We're not living like Jesus until we choose love every time. The story makes it clear. Anyone we meet is our neighbor, and we have to choose how to treat them. Several weeks ago, Pastor Bob shared a response to the question, what would Jesus do? He would love first, and we are called to do the same. Not only are we called to love, but we should be loving without an agenda. Loving someone so they will do what you want them to is not love. It's persuasion. Love unconditionally. It's not often in our lives that we experience true unconditional love. Maybe we feel it from a parent or a spouse. But when we do, it is an incredible type of love. God's love is unconditional. Ours should always be unconditional, too. Chances are, if you love without conditions, that genuine type of love will lead people towards Christ more than a pushy, do-what-I-tell-you sort of love ever will. The best way we can share the love of Christ is to do our very best to be like him. 
so what does it really look like to love the way Jesus loves? How can we carry these things out into our everyday lives? Well, we can start by remembering three things. And if you'd like to take notes, there's a spot in your bulletin where you can jot these down. Number one, choose kindness. There will be times where the first emotion we experience is not going to be a positive one. And that's okay. We may feel anger, we may feel betrayal, and we may feel sadness. We are allowed to have these emotions. God created us as complex creatures designed to hope and to love and to cry and to feel. But this means that we have to make a choice every day. We have to choose to be kind and loving to one another, even in the midst of all these emotions. Number two, we need to remember that we don't get to choose our neighbor. It would be so easy if the Bible said, you only have to be kind to the people that you like. I think that would be pretty perfect. But it does not say that. Our neighbor is anyone we meet. Our neighbor is the new family visiting church. Our neighbor is the person honking at us half a second after the light turns green. Our neighbor is the one who doesn't believe in God because they've been hurt so many times by people they thought they could trust. Our neighbor is the single parent begging on the street corner so that they might be able to feed their kids. And we owe all of them love and kindness. It might not feel comfortable. It might not even feel right. But over time, maybe it will start to feel a little more normal. And number three, love without an agenda. If we love only with the intention of getting something we want out of it, that is not truly love. Only when we love without an agenda, with no hope of anything in return, are we truly beginning to live our lives like Jesus. As you leave today and go out into the world, I hope you'll remember to treat those around you with kindness, even when it isn't easy. By sharing kindness and spreading love, we get one step closer to living our lives in the image of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ. I keep a warm fuzzy on my dresser so that as I get ready each morning, I have a physical reminder to choose kindness over anger, over frustration, and over hate. And on days when I feel sad or alone, that warm fuzzy is a beautiful reminder that God always loves me. Even though it's just a small ball of yarn, to me, it's a powerful symbol of the choice between bitterness and empathy, the choice of unconditional love. As you leave today, the ushers will have warm fuzzies by the exit. I encourage you to take one home and place it somewhere that you can see it every day so that it can be your reminder of how you pledge to live your life as a follower of Christ. Take a moment every day to share the warm, fuzzy feeling with someone else. After all, we are called to love everyone, even when it feels impossible. Let us pray.